I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. This is today. This is Alex Spears. Alex What's up, Andrew? <laughs> are, we, are we... Okay, when do we call it a winning streak? Is two enough? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, actually, you have to have two straight wins combined with the Rockets losing, and then that we consider a streak. It's like a double win. It's a double win. It was such a double win. When I looked at the box score of that Rockets game, I was I was I was elated. And then I spent some time on Rockets on the uh, Reddit page last night as well. <laughs> it's a it's a good night. Uh, Thunder win two games in a row. They beat the Clippers one twenty eight to one ten. They were down thirteen in the third quarter. Turned it on, 20-0 run. Eventually, they were leading by 16, which is just crazy. And the Thunder PR sent out this stat is that, uh, let's see, Oklahoma City outscored the Clippers 39-10 to in the third quarter, which is a 29-point margin. It's the largest for a single quarter in Thunder history, which is really? That's crazy. bigger than the Jazz game? It's bigger. It's the biggest. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this game was weird for me because uh, I had to work late. And so I knew I was going to miss the first half. So I bought it on NBA League Pass. Oh, OK. So I spent seven dollars on this game and uh, and I came home. And so when I got home, it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. So I think they were up 15. And I got to say, very relaxing way to watch a game. So I restarted <laughs> it and I'm watching that first half. Normally, I would be, you know, peeved, miffed yeah. even. Uh, but I was like, oh, oh, that play didn't work out there. But that was kind of nice. I bet that works out later. I'm excited <laughs> to see how that works out later. It was it, it took away a lot of the stress because I knew it was coming. <laughs> Jay was so mad. And you can even see it. Like Jay was tweeting from the Down to Dunk account last night. So you can kind of like see his tone in the first half. He was so mad. I mean, Gallinari was getting whatever he wanted in the first half. He was great. Uh, he finished the game with 27 points, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And they were able to get, uh, they were able to get Steven switched onto him every time in the first half. And he got whatever he wanted every time. And the Thunder were able to turn that around. They made a nice halftime adjustment and they made Gallinari guard Steven in the post uh, on the other end. And Steve just obliterated him, which was nice to see. Uh, but the, the Clippers went completely cold in the third quarter and the Thunder like barely missed a shot in the third. Uh, Jeremy Grant hit that big three to give them the lead. Uh, Westbrook was on fire. Uh, it was just a really impressive quarter for them. Dennis Schroeder actually played a great game too. Uh, Paul George was awful in the first half. He and Adams. When they At halftime, I was like, man, they both, if the Thunder are going to win this game, they need to show up. And then they both did. Adams finished with 18 and 10. Paul George, 32 and 12, four assists, two blocks. 9 of 18 from the field. It looked like 
this looked like an NBA basketball team. Uh, it was it was wild to watch them score baskets consecutively in the third quarter. It's like I didn't I didn't even know this team was capable of of this, but they uh, and they got great, all of them were great shots, which has been a trend really since the beginning of the season. So this team right. is taking good shots, and you kind of roll your eyes at Billy a little bit at like post game when he was like, "Well, we're we're getting the shots that we want." You're like, "Okay, but you can't make any of them." Well, they actually started to fall tonight. They were 51% from the field, 52% from three, and the 71.9% from the line. While that free throw line percentage isn't great, uh, it's like acceptably bad, you know? Um, right. So the shots finally fell. Like, I mean, it was just going to happen. Like, you take good shots long enough, they're going to start falling. And so I don't know how this continues. Like, they, it would be great to win in Charlotte. And then they get to play the Wizards that I, I'm like strangely scared of this Wizards team because it's, oh. the situation is so volatile that like maybe eventually they're going to turn it around and it just would feel just right if they turned it around against the Oklahoma City Thunder on their home court on Friday. Well, um, I wonder when, because uh, Dwight's about to come back, right? Yeah, I don't know what his w- status is. I'd have to look I wonder that. if it will be his first game. Um. But yeah, it, it was strange because, you know, we were all expecting like at some point they have to shoot better. Like this is going to regress to some mean, even if it's a low mean. And then that first half, like it was everything that has been bad that's happening. And there were even moments in it where I was like, oh, they're actually playing pretty well, you know, for a stretch. Uh, especially like when Hamadou Diallo came in, he, he, they had a nice little spark there in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. But but then you look up and, you know, they're down 10 and it was the same stuff. It was like a ton of fouls. By the end of the first half, PG, Jeremy Grant, and Abrinas all had three fouls. It was a ton of turnovers. It, and it, a lot of them were sloppy turnovers. OKC had 11 turnovers in the first half. And then Westbrook seemed to be the only one who could do anything. And yet he had the worst plus minus of anyone in the first half. He was a minus 16, despite going nine of 17 from the field, 20 points, three rebounds in the first half. So it's just, a, it was a weird first half. It felt a lot like other games. And so I was knowing what the final or knowing what it was going to happen. I just like, couldn't understand what was about to happen. <laughs> and, and that third quarter, I mean, yeah, it was the shots, but that same starting lineup, which had kind of gotten beat up in the first quarter, mm-hmm. all of a sudden looked so active on defense. Like they just looked totally different on defense and they were causing turnovers and it helped that the Clippers were missing shots, but the defense just like ratcheted up. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, they were switching crisply. They were communicating. That's like the Thunder defense we expected to see. And we're like, and then like they, they don't play, like they, I think they were ranked 12th in defensive rating through these first five games. And people are like, well, they're still without Robertson. It's like, no, like they still have a ton of talent. Like this is a crazy athletic team. Like they should be a good defensive team. There's really no excuse for that. Uh, and they were awesome. You're right. In the second half, their defense was incredible. And then pair that with the shot making, getting out of the fast break. I mean, that, that made them unstoppable. And while, you can't sustain that for 48 minutes. If you can do that for a quarter, a quarter and a half a game, you're going to win a lot of games. And then if you can just use your defense to sustain you, like you're going to win a ton of games. And really I thought Adams 
had a huge contrast in his first half and second half. I think that was a big deal for the Thunder. And then Terrence Ferguson played really well. I mean, his stat line could not be more unimpressive. I mean, it was, what, what was it? Two points, a steal, an assist. Uh, and he took one shot. And he, <laughs> fouled, he fouled four times. The most, the most like statistical thing he did was foul. He, um, he had one of those lines where you look at those points, you remember that exact layup. Right. You look at the assist, you remember that exact alley-oop to wrestle. Oh, that was a killer alley-oop. I love that. <laughs> so he had a nice little highlight line where you remember every single one of those contributions. And he had nothing else. But <laughs> right. he was a team high plus 34. And his defense on Lou Williams in particular was so important to last night. Because Lou's is still a guy that can get going. And this Clippers team has been really good. They've beat a lot of good teams so far. Uh, and they've got just like when their bench comes in, you're like, oh, it's kind of like the same team, like the same level of team as their starting lineup. And th- they're just they're just a solid team. And so to get a win against the Clippers at home, like the Thunder are better than the Clippers. Like they just are. They hadn't looked like it through five games but it was good to see that the Thunder have that in them. And Ferguson being a part of that is really encouraging. It also makes you feel like Billy Donovan is a little bit less crazy because he like named him the starter from day one and he stuck with him. And like through the first four games and really most of the Suns game, you're just like, I don't see it. Like I'm not seeing it. Like, please, like somebody show me something that uh, Terrence Ferguson's doing that, that should have given him this spot because I'm just not seeing it. And then last night we saw it that him not touching the ball on offense, him, you know, not shooting threes and things like that. I felt like, I felt like his offense, his inability to shoot and his inability to get anything going offensively was really affecting his defense. And last night he just didn't care. Like he just defended his butt off. He really stuck with the Williams. Uh, he got into passing lanes. He had a nice, the I, and like you said, I remember the block that he had. Uh, he, he was great. And if he can contribute in that way, like he can really be a Robertson placeholder. Like he's still not as good of a defender as Robertson, but if you can stick him on the best, like point guard wing, whoever, then that's super valuable to this team. And you don't have to have, you know, Paul George or Russell or whoever expending a ton of energy. You can just put that burden on Terrence Ferguson. If you can handle it, then that's a very productive player for this team. And then, I mean, you have, Abrinas and Diallo who was back last night just coming off the bench and just providing both of them provided great energy off the bench and so if you have three three wings like that like none of them are crazy talented none of them are huge difference makers but if they can all three just provide good energy and some kind of spark uh, that's something the Thunder haven't had in a long time is three wings that are role players that provide some kind of spark for this team. And you saw it with all of them tonight or last night. I'd like to thank the mule for sponsoring today's show. You've got to go down to the mule 16th and Blackwell there in the Plaza district near downtown OKC. Uh, they are a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant, hot melts and cold beer. It's a just a wonderful place. They have a great bar. They've got TVs. Like if you're looking for a place to watch the Thunder game, maybe it's just you and a buddy, you'll want to go to the Mule to watch the game because it's just that good right now. And I haven't mentioned this yet in any ads, but they have soup. They have a broccoli cheddar soup that's really good. Uh, you can always get your grilled cheese with a tomato soup, which is just a great combination, especially now it's like getting a little bit cold. 
it's just amazing. Super fresh, really good. So you got to go check that out. Uh, I always recommend the macaroni pony, which is the jalapeno cornbread, chipotle barbecue pulled pork, three cheese mac and cheese and a pickle. Oh, so, so good. And then if like you're just looking for a good, just straight up grilled cheese, there's one called the big ass grilled cheese. You get that with the tomato soup. Promise you'll have no regrets in your life that day because it's just wonderful. Uh, support the people that support Down to Dunk. You can follow them as well on Twitter, on uh, Instagram. Instagram is a great place to follow them at the Mule OKC. Uh, just, just a great restaurant. They've got some great photos that are going to make you want to go there too. So please follow them, support the people that support down to dunk and go eat at the mule. Yeah. A, a couple things about Ferguson. One that my favorite moment of the night was actually a, a Lou Williams moment, which is that Ferguson fouls him on a three pointer and the refs call it on the floor. So Lou only gets two shots and coming from a, t- you know, we've been watching this team that just like can't hit their free throws. Lou Williams is at the free throw line, just cursing, just furious. He's not even paying attention to the free throw and he's just draining free throws. He (laughs) makes both of them. He's not even looking like he's just throwing them up because he's so good at it. I really like that. And then uh, Ferguson's offense, there was a, there was a play in the first quarter where he, he did something that I do in pickup. Like when I go play pickup, cause I'm not, I'm not good at all, Andrew, you know, especially like when I go play with guys I've never played with before and they pass me the ball and I don't want to shoot, you know, cause I, I'm good. That's, that's guaranteed embarrassment, but I don't want to pass because I want to make it look like I'm doing something. So I run to the part of the court that has the least resistance. And that's what Ferguson did last night. He caught the ball on like the right wing and just dribbled across the court. There's like no one there. He just dribbled across the court and then he passed it. So it looked like he was doing something, but really he was just, he was just moving around a little bit. You could put the ball on the floor, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I saw some people saying, you know, that might be Ferguson's best game as, as a member of the thunder, which, which could be true, but we need, we should also acknowledge that that's like a pretty low bar because like he, he's yeah. still like long term he still has to take more than one shot and that one shot was just a layup on a on a fast break and yeah. most of his actually all of his offensive highlights were on fast breaks it was the layup and then the alley oop to Russell Westbrook i think long term like that's not sustainable like it it's great no. that he was super active on defense like something has to happen with the shooting. Something. Yeah, I'm not even sure I agree that it's his like quote unquote best game. It might be like his most impactful game as far as like winning goes, but he's like he had games last season where he was hitting three point shots and affecting games. He had that game in Memphis where he had a huge three in the corner to help them win the game. Uh, he had that Lakers game, obviously, where he scored a ton of points in garbage time, but just he his value is that he can make corner threes and that he can defend some and it's not just in the defense like he's going to show his true value when he can start taking and making threes uh because this team still needs that desperately you know they only took 17 last night which is not very many uh and so they're going to need him to take and make more threes um than he did but uh i thought alex abrinas was crazy impactful he only played 15 minutes and i think that's because ferguson had it going on the defensive end and they really started to trust him there but in his 15 minutes he had four steals and a block and he hit a three and he he was really impressive to me 
just with his anticipation uh, and the way that he brought energy. I mean, that team, they just weren't playing well in the first half. When you brought him in, you brought Diallo in. Both of them made an instant impact uh, on the Thunder and played played great. They both ended up, I think, negative plus minus, but uh, I really liked what I saw from them. Can I can I give you some uh, chicken salad or chicken something else? Please do. Okay, so these are these are kind of you know after five games, a few a few trends that have popped up. First one with last night's game, OKC jumped up in defensive efficiency. They are now the sixth ranked defense. Mm-hmm. Does that feel chicken salad or chicken something else to you? Oh man, it's so hard to tell. Like what? What what is the baseline for good defense in this NBA, right? It's true because like uh, Boston and I forget the other team are so much farther ahead of yes. any other team in the league. Yeah, it's I, I'm going to say it's chicken salad just because I think they have the personnel to defend. And that's like what the Thunder like hang their hat on is that they're going to be a good defensive team. And if they're not that, then they're not a good team, you know? Then you add right. Robertson to the mix, and then you're in elite defense. But they need to be a a top ten defense without him if they're going to have any sort of good record because their offense is not going to carry them. So I'm going to say it's chicken salad, just with the hope that this team is actually going to put together some some wins and you know be back you know to 500 or over that within the next week or so. Yeah, speaking of their offense, just in one game last night, their offense efficiency jumped from 99.6 to 102.2. So they're now at 27th. Very exciting, 27th in the league. Uh, What about Russ averaging three and a half three-point attempts per game right now? He only took three last night. This would be his lowest average since the 2011-2012 season. Do you think this is a real trend that he's just going to be shooting less threes, or is this just a four-game small sample size? Uh, I think that's chicken something else. I think he'll have taken more. I mean, he, uh, he he didn't take any against the Suns, and that's because he was overcorrecting for the the Celtics game. And now he took three, and I bet he'll take four or five against the the Charlotte the Charlotte Hornets. You know, I he's gonna get back to like where he's he's been. But I think he felt bad after after that that Celtics game uh, for taking too many threes. But he'll he'll eventually forget about that and then have to apologize later for it and then <laughs> continue the cycle. It was, it was wild that they only shot 17 threes last night. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that, maybe that's a strategy. Like if they just can't make them, they just don't shoot them. <laughs> well, Paul, Paul's got to take more. He took five. Like he needs to take more than five in a game. Uh, Jeremy Grant, one of two, like if he takes, I think two a game is like almost perfect for Jeremy Grant. Uh, Westbrook took three. Ferguson didn't take one. Patterson took two and made both of them. Uh, let's see. Schroeder took three and made one. Abrinas only took one. They, like Abrinas needs to get more than one three-point attempt in, in 15 minutes. Paul George needs to get more than five in 34 minutes. But they kind of just took what the defense gave them. Uh, they took a ton of mid-range jumpers last night, it felt like. Uh, I don't have that stat in front of me, but it just just an overall feeling, especially Paul George, uh, which the first half he didn't have it going at all, but second half he was he's kind of on fire. So, um, but yeah, I th- I think they'll they'll take more three. They just have to like in this NBA, like if you're going to beat teams, like you have to take more. But last night they kind of took what the defense gave them, and uh, that went to their advantage. I was going to ask you about their free throw shooting because. <laughs> 
I guess because we've just been whatever the opposite of spoiled is that uh, we've just been tortured <laughs> with their free throw shooting. I thought last night was like pretty good, but then I looked at and it's the exact like last year they shot seventy one point six percent. Last yeah. night they shot seventy one point nine percent. So that's actually probably chicken salad. Oh dear. Yeah, this is kind of who they are, which is weird. Like Paul George, when he missed that like technical free throw, you're like, come on, man! Like, there's you gotta make those shots. You know, he was 11 for 14. Like, he needs to be 13 of 14. You know, Jeremy Grant misses, you know, two out of three. Like, that's normal. Adams, two out of four. That's normal. Westbrook, five of seven. I guess that's acceptable. And then basically nobody else took free throws. Schroeder was two of two. And then Diallo was two of two. Um, but, like, the guys that are taking them, like, especially if Grant and Adams are going to be taking some, like, they're going to miss. And then for whatever reason, Russ and PG just missed too. Like, they, I don't know, they, they need to be perfect from the line. Like, Gallo last night, 10 of 10. That's great. Even Marcin Gortat, I don't know if you're paying attention to Gortat. They, the Thunder fouled him, like, 100 times in the first quarter. And he went to the free throw line a bunch and was 5 of 6. I mean, the Thunder just... They need to be consistent. And really, to me, it starts with Paul George and Russell. Like, I think once, and this is what Billy said pregame, like if Russell gets his legs back, once he does, then he's, his free throw shooting is going to get better. Uh, it didn't really get better last year, unless maybe he never had his legs last year. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Russell, like he needs to be perfect from the line for a few nights. And so does Paul George. Like Those guys are capable of those things. Um, but it's better than being in the 60s. Because uh, when you're shooting like 65% from the free throw line, which is what they've been doing the past few games, I mean, like you're going to lose games because of that. Like you just, that is just unsustainable as far as like a, being a winning team and just missing a ton of free throws. Okay, here's another one for you. So in his first four games, Russ has taken 52% of his shots at the rim. I'm not going to tell you how that compares to historically. Do you think that's chicken salad or chicken something else? I don't know. It's been kind of it's been kind of crazy how relentless he's been, and I don't know yeah. if it's matchup dependent for him. Um, but I know I know the shot attempts that he's had at the rim are the, about the same, and even actually a little bit less than they were last season. Because I think he had eight point six last season within five feet, but he's like eight point three. I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats since last night. It's probably more. Uh, he probably took more than average last night, but um, I think that I think it's chicken salad. I think that he's determined to get to the rim, and that opens up things for the Thunder a lot uh, because whenever you have to guard him, and like that's how you are successful in the half court is Russell is attacking, and then he's opening things up for everybody else because everybody else is not opening up things for for him. So I think he's just, he sometimes he's got to force the issue in order to open up the Thunder offense. So his career high, like the percentage of shots at the rim mm-hmm. of his total shots was 42%. And that was in his rookie season. Wow. So he is really getting to the rim this year. He's taking so so many, like his mid-range jumpers are down significantly from and that's last great. season. Which is really, yeah, it's good. Like the Thunder are playing as they didn't really do it last night because they didn't take as many threes. But they're trying to shoot as many shots in the paint and kick it out to wide open threes as they can and you can see that like it's you can you can watch that and it starts with russell uh which is great because that's a guy that you feel in a, in a lot of ways you feel like man i you know we want russell to do this but i'm not sure that he can really change 
but he's he has been you can tell that he is doing what Billy wants him to do this season and that he's getting to the rim and he's actually playing off ball quite a bit when when Schroeder's in the game and I haven't really loved the Schroeder Westbrook lineups all that much but I am encouraged that he that he's willing to give the ball to Schroeder and run off ball a little bit um and you know at least to start the action like you see Schroeder initiating the action and then Russell taking it and then like you actually get the defense on its heels at least a little bit so that's been encouraging to see like a little bit of change um from Russell so so kind of going along with that so Russ is only averaging 7.8 assists in his first four games Mm -hmm. over you know chicken salad chicken something else over 8.6 assists for the rest of the season how would you feel about that and 8.6 is the amount he averaged in the his highest season when he had kd i'm hoping that it's a i would say that like that 8.6 is chicken salad is my hope well one because i i hope that he'll give the ball up a little bit more because i think it makes the thunder a little bit less predictable and then two I'm hoping that he's not having to play the fourth quarter of every single game because that's how he like, that's how he got the triple double record. He's right. And that's how he got the triple double last year is that he he was required to play in every fourth quarter, basically like to beat the Kings, to beat the Mavericks, to beat whoever didn't matter. Like the thunder. I, I mean, I would have to go back and look, but I'm sure that there was like single digit blowout wins that the thunder had. I remember one against the bulls, and I'm just like struggling to find one in my brain that happened at all last year. Like they just didn't kill teams. And so hopefully we can see more of this. The past two nights, you know, the Thunder have, have blown out teams and they need to do that more. And I think that that is what helped keep Russell's assist numbers down. Um, and then as well, just giving the ball up, which, you know, Russell's great and there's going to be games where he needs to take over and he's going to get triple doubles and he's going to have, you know, eye popping, you know, box scores. But really this team, if they're going to be a successful team and have a chance to be a winning team, then they need, he needs to give the ball up and they need to be beating teams and he needs to be sitting in the fourth quarter. I mean, that to me, if, if he has the 8.6, that to me says that the Slender team is more successful rather than if he has like 11. Like if he has 11, that tells me like, oh, okay, right. like he's playing a lot. Yeah, I think one of the most positive things early season about Schroeder because he's kind of having had an uneven start, you know, he's not shooting the ball very well. He's shooting 34% right now, but he has maintained his assist level from the previous two seasons. He's averaging 6.3 assists. And we saw this with Oladipo where we kind of thought he was going to come in and be a secondary playmaker. And then it just never really happened. And we even kind of thought that with Paul George and it kind of never really happened. Mm -hmm. And so Schroeder came in and he is that secondary playmaker. He's averaging over six assists per game. How many times do you think that has happened in Thunder history that someone other than Westbrook has averaged at least six assists per game? Um, Once. It's never happened. I was going to say if it had, it was maybe I was trying to think. I don't think Kevin Durant got there in his MVP season. No, his highest was 5.5. Okay. That's crazy. But that's huge. Like that's that's such a change, especially from like the MVP year. The MVP year is like the most absurd, like reading through the box score of the other guys on the team. (laughs) So that's that's really promising to me, though, because it's telling me that finally we bring in a guy who 
isn't drastically changing his game. Right. He's doing what he's always done. The only issue is that he's not hitting shots. But, you know, if he gets up to even his average, which would be like 43% or something, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be a 15 and 6 type guy, which they just haven't had someone like that. You know, Reggie Jackson, for as good as he was as a backup point, was never hitting those levels. Yeah. And, and another stat that just shows like Russell's progression, at least, is that he's, I think he's got six less passes made per game so far, uh, which tells me that he's just giving the ball up more, um, which is a great thing for the Thunder. Um, so Russ shot 52% last night, and I just was interested in looking up what the Thunder's record was when Russ shoots at least, at least 50% from the field. What would you be your guess? What percentage of games do they win? when rush shoots at least 50% say the question again. I'm sorry. Oh, when, when rush shoots at least 50% from the field. Okay. Okay. What percentage of games do the thunder win? Oh man. Like 70%, 75. Wow. Yeah. He's done it a lot. 192 and 64 is their record, man. That's uh, (laughs) and a lot of that's just like getting to the, getting to the rim. Exactly. Because he's been a poor mid-range shooter for most of his career. And he can make that cotton shot. He's super comfortable with that. Um, But sometimes when he gets that going, like it encourages him to take more and more mid-range shots. And it's, he's, I think we think he's better than he really is. Like you go look at his, his stats from two, um, from like the mid-range and it's like, oh, okay. Like he's just okay. Like he's an okay mid-range shooter. Like he's not like DeMar DeRozan level. He's not, he's not Spurs level, you know, mid range shooter. He's like, okay. And so if he can cut that out, like he has, and that's something where I don't know if it's chicken salad or chicken, something else, if he's just going to, if he's not going to take those, like, I, I believe that he's going to get to the rim more. Um, I don't really know exactly what's going to happen with the three point shot, but if he can cut out a ton of those mid range jumpers, I think that it's overall super helpful to this team. So what did you think about uh, Patrick Beverly? The play at the end when there was kind of a loose ball, Westbrook couldn't get it, and then Beverly seemed to be, you know, in real time, I didn't even notice it. Um, oh, I didn't really? notice it. Yeah, I didn't notice it until they came back from break and then oh, they started replaying it. Yeah, because so kind of how it unfolded on TV is you saw what happened with Patrick Beverly as he dove for the ball and you just had like these terrible flashbacks. Um, and then it went to break and during the commercials, like you saw like everybody that was at the game tweeting, like, you know, they're, they're yelling at each other, blah, blah, blah. And you didn't see that until later. Right. Um, but it, I don't know. Beverly's a, he's a dirty player. Like he just is. And he may act like he's just, oh, it's just my reputation. Well, I mean, like he's a dirty player and diving at Russell Westbrook's knees. Like I, I really don't believe that he was going after the ball. Um, some people think that he didn't deserve to have the flagrant one. I, I think he did. He's got a history of doing stuff like that. And he just, like, you just can't do that kind of stuff. You can't dive at somebody's knees and, the looking at the replay like in slow motion maybe it's a little bit unfair to beverly but to me like no like you can't, you can't give that guy the benefit of the doubt and i think the right. the officials got it right uh ultimately and so um it's yeah it, it scared me and i 
And I thought like, I didn't want to like put this thought out there on Twitter, but I'm just like, man, I hope that we don't wake up in the morning and like, you know, Russell Westbrook has a torn meniscus because he, he played on that torn meniscus the rest of that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like what? And you could tell how mad Russ was because when they finally showed the replay, you saw Russ walk over to like where the Clippers bench was mm-hmm. and he was like on it, you know, had his uh, hands on his knees and he just stayed there. Like they're having their like timeout discussion. He is not moving mm-hmm. and the Clippers are just moving around him. Yeah, I know you don't watch a lot of NFL, but there's a guy, Vontez Perfect, who is sort of like this. And then Indomitian Sue is the other one. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're these guys were like in a vacuum, each individual play, you could make the case like, oh, well, maybe they just like didn't mean it or whatever. Right. But at the end of Beverly's career, he's going to have this like five minute YouTube mix that's <laughs> going to be so damning because there's going to be so many of these type of plays. And, and it is a pattern. And. I do think you have to protect the players at some point from guys doing this because I know Beverly in his head thinks that like I can die for this and it will sort of look like I'm going for the ball and maybe I hit Russell's knees (laughs) and like I'm sure in his head he's not thinking I want to hurt Russell but it's more like oh let me just put myself in this situation and we'll see what happens yeah. like he he just continually puts himself in those situations and and yeah i just he he terrifies me Any, anytime you get out of a game with beverly and there's no injuries i feel very good i feel like we escape something right and it's just completely opened up the wound again of that stupid game and that stupid series and that that thunder team was so good like that team that team is probably the one that wins the title out of any right. of these Thunder teams. And it just makes you so mad. You're just like, okay. Like it makes you feel like a little bit less crazy watching him do it again. Cause you're like, all right, this suit is just a psychopath that is just trying to take out our superstars knees. Um, it yeah, makes it was, me think like mad. we, we just have to go get him now just for self-preservation. <laughs> we, have, we have to get him on the Thunder <laughs> to get him on the Thunder. And we just need to put him in the G league and just say, you have been demoted to the blue and just stay away from everybody, please. We just don't need this. Um, So in the past, let's see, since 2013, 14 is when they started doing these tracking stats for passing. Uh, Nobody. So Russell Westbrook has always been the player that averages the most passes made per game. Nobody's ever averaged the amount of passes made that Dennis Schroeder is right now. It's at 44 passes per game. Um, and the closest is Reggie Jackson in the 13, 14 season was 40 passes per game. Um, this is ever in, are you talking just thunder history? Just thunder history. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Just in, just in 13, 14 is when, when those tracking stats came into, came into effect. The, the last Kevin Durant season, uh, the person that averages the second most passes per game was Steven Adams actually. At 36.8, which is kind of interesting. Wow. And then 16-17 was the MVP season. Uh, <laughs> it was actually Irson Ilyasova in three games with 31 <laughs> passes per game. <laughs> but uh, Victor Oladipo, 28 passes per game. Yeah. And then Samaj was third with 26. Uh, and then last season, you want to take a guess who was the second, second most last season? Um... It can't be Carmelo. It is Carmelo. No! 35, 35.7. I mean, that just shows you how much he had the ball. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he had so, the ball an awful lot. Who, who are like, 
you, you said that Schroeder is number one in this time frame. Is there anyone else this year who's making a lot of passes that's up there? So, so it's Russell Westbrook. Last year, Russell Westbrook was 62 passes per game. This year, he's down to 55.5. Schroeder's 44.2. Then after that, it's Jeremy Grant, and then Steven Adams, and then Paul George. Okay. So, I mean, and, and a lot of that is that you know, Paul is handling the ball quite a bit, but he's, they're also looking for him to come off curls. They're looking for him to get off movement and he's just shooting it. So yeah, he has, well, he doesn't even have the most passes received, but that's just because he's not initiating the offense quite as much. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that's just kind of fascinating to, to break down like where these passes are coming from and who's throwing them. Um, because like right now you have, two players on the team that are averaging double digit potential assists with Russell and Schroeder. Uh, Russell's at 18.3 potential assists and Schroeder's at 12.3 potential assists. And I'm not even sure. Yeah. Reggie wasn't even close. He was at 8.8 when he had that 40 passes per game. He's only at 8.8 potential assists. So, um, it's pretty pretty interesting because this team is just not known for passing. They're known for just Russell having it and creating everything. Uh, but they want to move away from that, and they have not to like a massive degree, but like to a degree where it's like, oh, okay, like this could be something that's sustainable and something that could ultimately make them a better offense because they're just more dynamic. Yeah, and having someone like Schroeder on that second unit is so huge just from like an aesthetic point of view. Right. <laughs> I mean, some of those lineups, especially in the MVP season, but even last year with Ray Felton, you're just like, how are these guys going to score? Like they, right. they basically have to just grind out these possessions. And it's not like this second unit this year has been like the most amazing bench unit ever, but they just look more like a regular basketball team. Mm-hmm. And it's not a shock when they, they <laughs> magically score a basket. And you're like, oh, okay, finally, okay, that, that buys us a little time. Right. <laughs> I know. And that's how it felt the first few games. It's like, man, like I just I don't I don't know how this team is gonna score. Like it just looks so difficult. They make scoring look so difficult. And then the past two games they finally got it together. Um and really and we had mentioned this, they were taking good shots, but it just they just still made it look so difficult. Um But yeah, they they got it going. They play they have a back to back thursday and friday this week they play in charlotte and they play in washington uh any any thoughts on those two games or predictions for those two games uh so charlotte's four and four now they had a really nice win over miami last night and they're at the beginning of a four game homestand where they play they played miami then they play us and then they get to play the Cavs in atlanta so i would say to them you know a three and one like that's that's pretty solid. <laughs> you know, you beat those other teams. You don't, you don't need to sweep that home stand. Right. So, <laughs> so maybe that's, <laughs> I, I'm like legit worried about Charlotte. They're good. Like I, they're pretty good. Yeah. I think they've been like, they're four and four. They, they're better than they were last year. Yeah. Seemingly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they got Malik Monk coming off the bench. Who's putting up some points. I think he scored 20 last night. Mm-hmm. They got a, a Jeremy Lamb revenge game. You know, always got to worry about those. Miles Bridges has been closing games for them. Uh, he looks pretty awesome. I really like Miles Bridges. Uh, this, this would be a real... Actually, honestly, either of these next two games would be nice wins for mm-hmm. this team at this point because they're road games against teams that may be playoff teams in the East. Yeah. Um, I mean, who knows with the Zards? They're 
Did you listen to the low post? Yes. And with Woj about the Zards? I did. They're, they're, they're a mess. But on the other hand, they're like, so they seem so much more calm than the calves. Like, like it, like they were talking about Scott Brooks, like, no, he's not going to be fired. Like Ted Leonsis is really stable and doesn't like making changes and (laughs) would never want to pay a guy (laughs) who's not actually coaching for the team. Um, it just, yeah, but they're, they're a screwed up franchise and I don't know what they do. Yeah. And that's kind of what they were talking about. Yeah. And I've been following them a little closely, a little more closer because Fred Katz is covering them now. And so I listened to his podcast and, uh, it's not good. It's not a good sign. John Wall is like almost completely checked out and he's like supposed to be their team leader. And it's, he's got the Westbrook contract. He has the Westbrook. Yes, he does. And he just doesn't play with effort. He and he and Bradley Beal just don't get along. Um, it's a bad situation. Um, yeah. Uh, Charlotte is seventh in net rating right now. Um, wow. In the league, 114.9 offensive rating. Kimba Walker has been on fire. He's been so good. Uh, defensive rating 108.8. Um, and then you look at the wizards, man, it's like the exact opposite. They're, they're 28th in net rating right now. Uh, the only teams that are, <laughs> their net rating is worse than the Chicago bulls which is Jeez. that's really pathetic. The only teams that are worse are the magic and the suns uh, offensive rating of one Oh four point three defensive rating of one fourteen point one. Wow. And they're like one of the worst uh, defensive rebounding teams in the NBA. They're actually the worst defensive rebounding team in the league, which if, if they don't have Dwight back by then, and they're still this kind of rebounding team. The Thunder should feast on the offensive boards. I mean, Stephen Adams should have a huge, huge game against the Washington Wizards with as poor um, of a rebounding team that they are. Yeah, they're dead last in, in total rebounds as well. So oh, okay, I'm looking up. It says uh, Wizards Dwight Howard hoping to return Friday. Okay, uh, we'll see how how big of a difference that makes. He seems like okay for Charlotte, but when you're talking about a team that's dealing with chemistry issues, uh, bringing, bringing Dwight back into the fold is not always the greatest thing in the world. He'll uh, lighten it up. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. The thunder are second in offensive rebound percentage this season. So that, that kind of gives you some hope for the thunder to keep things together. But yeah, Charlotte would be a big win. Would that be a bigger win than beating, uh, the Clippers? You think? Uh, beating the Clippers at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, just cause it's a road game. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they've lost to basically all the good teams they play. They lost to the Bucks, the Raptors, the Sixers, and then they actually lost to the Bulls. Um, they beat the heat twice and then they've beat the magic and the Bulls. So I, maybe they're not as good as we thought, you know, maybe they're yeah. just kind of like what they are. They're just a middling Eastern conference team. Um, but based on how the thunder season has gone so far yeah that would be a pretty nice win yeah being the the magic and the bulls have both been really bad the magic yeah the magic have a less than 100 offensive rating through seven games which Which, is which you cannot say about the thunder anymore not anymore (laughs) we're getting pretty close they're 102.2 now uh and the chicago bulls defensive rating (laughs) is so crazy 117.8 117 
The next is the Cavs at 116, Suns 115, and the San Antonio Spurs ranked 27. Yeah, I saw that. In overall defense. Yeah, 114.5, which is just bizarre. And then the, I mean, have you seen the Rockets advanced numbers? No, read them out though. Read them out slow. (laughs) Offensive rating 103.8. Let's see where that ranks. 103.8 is 26th. Mm, that's, I like that. I like that. Defensive rating one thirteen point three. That's twenty fourth. <laughs> worse than the Lakers. Worse than the Mavericks. Worse than all these teams. That has honestly made the start of the Thunder season so much more bearable. I know. Just just knowing that the Rockets are even worse. Like they sh- they should feel even worse than than the Thunder. Yeah. Like on the one hand, they have these injuries, mm-hmm. um, and the so suspensions that's kind of, and the injuries and yeah, right. And so that's kind of like an easy excuse and, and they can right. use that. Yeah. Um, but there also seems to be like some underlying issues with this team. Like it's just yeah. not the same team as last year. Yeah. They're 26 in net rating, negative 9.6. Mm. Mm. Um, what was the quote? I'm trying to finger, remember what the quote was from Mike D'Antoni after the game last night. I'm sure it's, I'm going to pull up ESPN. It's probably one of the top headlines. It's the top headline. The, the, the Rockets have quote unquote lost our swagger. We have lost our swagger. And then the first picture, whenever you pull up the article is mellow in a hoodie. <laughs> He's been really bad. Well, the great thing about mellow, like from an outsider's perspective is that he's going to put up stats that'll look decent. I mean, that, that's kind of what he did on the thunder. Like, yeah. He, he would score enough points where like an average fan and just looking at the box score would be like, Oh, it can't be mellow. Mellow can't be the problem. And so that, that just let, allows mellow to just continue to fester, <laughs> to fester and destroy their team from the inside. Except for last night. Did you see a stat line last night? No. I, what did he do last night? 31 minutes, eight points, four boards, uh, two of 12 from the field. Mm, I like that. Minus 17. That's good. <laughs> They only, the Rockets scored 85 points. That is that is crazy. And they're about to go on a five-game road trip. Oh, really? I did not realize And, and it's not like a super hard one. They're going at Brooklyn, at Chicago, at Indiana, at yeah. OKC. That would be a big one. That's Thursday, November 8th. And then at yeah, San Antonio. Cool. Whew. I'm that's, excited. I'm excited. It's very exciting. Mike D'Antoni looks like New York Mike D'Antoni with his with his very mad face. Um, okay. So the thunder have their back to back later this week. Uh, anything else that from a team perspective that intrigues you, we talked about their passing. We talked about, we haven't really talked about the rotations a lot. Um, obviously Jeremy Grant's like the new starter, right? Yeah. And you know, talking about the difference between the first quarter and the third quarter, that defense activity that you saw in the third quarter, that's the entire reason you would start Jeremy Grant. Yes. So like they, they have to have that kind of activity because if they don't, you know, you can't rely on Jeremy Grant hitting even one of two threes Mm -hmm. per game. So, you know, that third quarter, that's when it like made sense to me. Okay. That's what we're going for when we start Jeremy Grant. Um, Because otherwise you know, Patrick Patterson has really fit into this bench role, at least in these last couple games. Yeah. And maybe it's just, maybe he's just shooting better and maybe has nothing to do with coming off the bench, but it's all kind of made sense these last couple games. 
Yeah, I think Patterson's up to 38% from three on the season, which is good to see uh, a, a nice number there because before last night, like all the numbers were just pitiful. Um, like no one was shooting better than 30 or 32% from three last before last night. I think PG's up to 34, Patterson's up to 38. Um, like these numbers have been really wonky and really, really bad. Um, they had two starters shooting in the single digits from three in Westbrook and Ferguson. Ferguson's still there cause he didn't take one last night, but <clears throat> it's just nice to see like numbers look normal and you knew they were good. They knew that they were weird. Um, and you just didn't know how long it would continue, but they're starting to, I felt like it was almost contagious. Like the shot missing was contagious and like, they just couldn't keep it together. Uh, but when you see the ball go in, I think that it helps everybody. And Patterson, you know, he played 20 minutes off the bench last night. He shot three shots. He made all of them. Uh, his, his stat line is not super impressive, but he, I think like the 20 minutes and like the 26 minutes for Jeremy Grant, like that feels about right. And you want Patrick Patterson to be good enough to get those 20 minutes per game because he has been like, he's athletically, like he had another dunk. Isn't that crazy that that was his second dunk ever as a thunder player and his first yeah, dunk that is crazy. ever was against the Suns. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy, but he, he's definitely confident this season. I mean, even yeah. when he was missing shots in the early games, like he was definitely confident. I mean, he was doing those post-ups and everything. So he's feeling it. He definitely looks better. He feels better. Um, we'll just see if he can keep it up. I mean, he's notoriously a very streaky shooter. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Russell Westbrook rocking the baby? Uh, yeah, I I read his explanation of it. And I still don't understand what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it looks cool. It's cool. <laughs> you kiss the baby. And then I, I guess that so these like NBA TV and ESPN are really playing up the fact that Patrick Beverly also rocked the baby after he scored on Dennis oh, Schroeder. Okay. Um, I guess that's a thing. I don't. What? I don't know. It's so weird. I. I just. I'm not. I'm not really with the uh, Rock the Baby rivalry here. <laughs> it's a very strange thing. Uh, line of the night from Michael Cage. I, I didn't have my the volume on my TV turned up. I. I rarely actually have like I rarely ever listen to the broadcast. Like I usually just have the volume completely off. Um, but I turn it up for the second half. I don't know why. And Dennis Schroeder takes this pull-up contested three, just an awful shot, makes it. Michael Cage, oh, I really like his decision making. <laughs> like, All right, dude. Um, have have like you listened to the, the broadcast this season? Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you think? Um, I do, I do feel like it's. Uh, I I don't know if Michael Cage has been any different, but at least my perception is that he's talking more openly about like non-basketball things. Yeah. Um, (laughs) just like he'll just bring up random things during the game, which I just don't remember him doing a lot. Uh And maybe he feels like he has to provide some like extra boost because you know, the play by play guy is pretty straightforward. Oh yeah. He's just kind of playing the straight man the whole time. He's so, he's such a thunder play by play guy. That's true. Yeah. Gosh, like he, like you basically don't even know that he's talking most of the time. Which is fine. I don't. I, I don't guess. really care. I guess. The, but yeah, Michael Cage is definitely getting weirder. Like he's just <laughs> at least twice per game, he will bring up some reference that he will like of a movie or like some musical artist. Be like, you got to go look that up. You got to go look that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just from like a long time ago. 
yeah, it's weird. There, there was there was one uh, not too long ago where he just started talking about looking for change in in the in the seat cushions, and he was comparing oh. it to the way they were like diving for the ball. And it went on entirely too long. And then, of course, he had he had the great little bit about Jumanji. He talked about Jumanji for a really long time. Really? Yeah. So I'm kind of enjoying uh, new Michael Cage. He's just uh, he's just freer. He's just freer. He's just talking about whatever he wants to. Uh, I like Michael Cage a lot. He's he's awesome. Um, did you see the picture of Bobad Marjanovic with Kristen Chenoweth before the game? I did. Uh, it's great. It's just a treasure. To, to just watch. I showed it to my wife and she was just like, that doesn't look real. And it kind of freaks me out that it is. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick. This isn't like a full this week in thunder history. Cause it's not like a funny one, but it's more just like a sweet one. Oh, remember when Katie was like this? Um, this was from 2010. This is re- during the lockout. This was the week that Katie went and played flag football up at OSU. Were you still in school? No, you weren't. No, I was not. But it was just crazy reading this story and thinking like this would never happen today. Like it was just a very unique moment in time where KD basically just said on Twitter, hey, I want to play flag football tonight. And then this (laughs) random guy who's an OSU senior was like, hey, you should come play with us. And then KD just started texting them. They were direct messaging, and then they started texting. And then KD drove up with his two friends. They picked this guy up in his van, and then they drove to the field. And then there were like 500 people, and by the end of the night, there were 1,000 people just watching KD, an NBA player, playing flag football. He could get hurt at any moment. <laughs> he had four touchdowns and three interceptions. It was just like one of those cool KD like, moments from back in the day. Yeah, it I remember is. when it was fun. Yeah, it's it is bizarre because like Twitter wasn't that big back then. Right. Um, yeah. And now, I mean, the thing would be that if Kevin, if, if somebody even saw like Kevin Durant, like commenting that and then another person respond and they see that Kevin Durant respond, I mean, it would be 10,000 people. Would be. Yeah. And there would probably be like 50 people replying. Oh, I could play flag football right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Thunder play again Thursday night. Uh, anything else before we go, Alex? No, I think that's it. Very happy day. Happy, happy day. Happy pod. Thanks for listening to our show. Follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our show at Down to Dunk. Thank you so much for listening. If you have time to leave us a five-star review, uh, super helpful. It's really easy to do, especially if you have an iPhone. Just search Down to Dunk on your little purple podcast app and leave five stars. Um, That's great. Uh, Go visit the mule and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning.